One of the amazing things as the Bible teaches us about who God is, is, is that God speaks to us. I mean, if you stop and think about it, it's really amazing that God who created all things, the God who, who put everything in its place, that, that God takes time to speak to us through his word, through his spirit, through other believers. God speaks to us, and that's really amazing. But I think what's even more amazing, if we stop and think about it, what's even more amazing is that God listens to us. <laughs> is that the God who created everything, the God who holds everything in his place, he cares enough about you that he wants to know what's on your heart. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to share your joys. He wants you to share your struggles. In fact, one of the books of the Bible, the book of Psalms, is one that is primarily really all about how do we talk to God. The majority of it is about how do we bring our lives to God. And so that's what we've been talking about this summer. We've been talking about bringing our lives to God. We've been talking about what it means to say, God, I... I, I need you. I'm struggling. I, I need you in this situation. We, we didn't plan it this way, but I realized this past week, uh, maybe a week and a half ago, I realized that, that we were talking about bringing our lives to God, but for the most part, what we were really talking about is bringing our struggles to God, right? We were, we were really talking about how, how do we come into God's presence when things are difficult? You might remember we started with Psalm 73 when Asaph was going through a time where he just was really struggling with his faith. He talked about going into the sanctuary, going into the worship service, and, and experiencing God's faithfulness. And so when life is unfair, and then we talked about in Psalm 4 how, how when we can't get to sleep at night, how David prayed and how he gave his day to God. And we learned about how do we bring our day to God at the end of a day when, it, when it's been really tough. And in Psalm 7 talks about a time when David was slandered, when people were telling lies about him. And we said, what do we do in that situation? How do we pray when there are people who are attacking us, when, when someone slanders us? And then a couple of weeks ago, Eric talked about how when God seems absent, when, when we've brought our lives to God and there's just nothing there and we feel like God isn't talking to us, God isn't saying anything, what do we do? How do we bring our lives to God when he doesn't seem to be there? Then last week we talked about what about when we've sinned, when we've blown it, when we've failed, and we looked at Psalm 130. And, and so for the most part we've been talking about bringing our lives to God and bringing our struggles to God, and that's okay because the majority of the Psalms are really about bringing struggles to God, bringing difficulties to God because we live in a broken world. But there are also a really good number of psalms that don't talk about bringing our struggles to God, but talk about bringing our praise to God, bringing our thanksgiving to God, saying to God, God, you are so good. And we praise God for who he is, but we also thank him for, for what he has done. When things are going well, the psalmist comes into God's presence and says, God, you're awesome. And he says, let's praise the Lord together. When, when a broken relationship is restored, when, when someone is healed, right? We, we, we'd say, we're just called to praise God for that. When an enemy is defeated, when, when a sin is broken, and any of those things happen, the psalmist comes and he says things like this from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Psalmist says, when we experience God lifting us up, when we experience God giving us a good gift, when we celebrate a marriage, a new baby, a, a healing, when we celebrate those things, we ought to come into God's presence and just praise him. And so I want to look at Psalm 30 this morning. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. David invites us 
to, to just bring our thanks to God, to celebrate God's goodness, to, to praise God's name and to do that. And so I want to take a look at that and then we're going to close the service by, by doing a couple of songs that just hopefully bring our hearts into God's presence and honor who he is. A couple of things that kind of in background of this psalm, one of the things we're told is that it's a psalm of David and I'll come back to that in just a second. But there's a, a line in, in that heading of the psalm that in this case is kind of strange. If you have your Bibles and you have the New International Version, it says, for the dedication of the temple. Now, that's a little bit of a problem because the temple wasn't built until after David died. So how did David write for the dedication of the temple? So you kind of look at this one and you go, what's that talking about? It could be that David wrote this. He knew his son Solomon was going to build the temple. So maybe David wrote this in order that it be you know, sung at the, the dedication of the temple. But there's really, you'll notice, nothing about the temple in it. And so what it could mean is that it's, this is for Thanksgiving at the temple. This is so a song that would, people would come and, and say, you know what, I want to just praise God and I'm going to thank and I'm going to use Psalm 30. So maybe it means that. But part of what I want to just tell you is sometimes with these things, we don't know what it means. Okay? We just don't know what it means. Sometimes it's really helpful. Sometimes we just don't know what it means. And, and, and you know, it, you just have to recognize that sometimes and say, I don't know why that got tied into it. Again, my best guess is that it was used a lot at the temple, okay? And so it became used for that. I, I think if we want to figure out where David was in his life when he wrote this psalm, he was probably kind of in the middle of his life, uh, midlife kind of years. He was at a place where he was already established as the king and, and had been established for a time. But what David is going to do is he's going to tell us about something in his life. He's going to tell us about a time in his life when he, first of all, became a little bit, well, very self-confident. Things were going really well, and it sometimes happens with all of us. He started to say, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And then God pulled his hand back. David gets deathly ill. He calls out to God, and God rescues him. God saves him. God heals him. And then he invites us to praise, okay? So let's take a look at this, and, 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 and we'll try to experience that. And think of those times in our lives where we've experienced God's lifting up, those times when we knew we were going down, but God lifted up. D- David, start, I'm going to start in verse 6. He doesn't start here, but I'm going to start in verse 6, where David starts to tell us about uh, where things started to go bad. And they started to go bad, as they often do when things are good, right? David says uh, in, in verse 6, he says, When I was secure... I said, I will never be shaken. When I, was, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Now, these words, I will never be shaken, they are, they're really interesting words in the Psalms and, and throughout the Bible because these words can be good or bad. They're sometimes said, and it's a really good thing to say, and they're sometimes said, and it's a really bad thing to say. It's good when somebody like the psalmist says, because God is my rock, I will never be shaken. I'll go through storms, but I know this. God is holding on to me, and I will not be shaken. Nothing can take me out of his hands, and so I'm confident in God. But this can also be used to say, well, because I can handle anything, I will never be shaken. And it seems that David meant it in this second sense. That David got to a place where he was established. He had fought a bunch of battles. His armies were big. He had defeated his enemies. The country loved him. His poll ratings were high. And he kind of felt like, look at this. Look at this. This is going really well. I, I, nothing can, I got enough soldiers. I got enough money in the bank. I got enough of everything. You know what that can feel like, right? I, I think about that for us as a church. I, I really do. This week I've been thinking about that because, you know, here we are. We're like doing this nice addition and nurseries and classrooms and, and we're being responsible. We're only spending money that we've already got committed and so on. And I look at it and I think it's kind of easy for me to sit back at least and say, we're doing all right. 
you know, I mean, God, it's nice for you to be around, but we can pay for this out of our own pocketbooks. We got enough money. We got everything, you know, committed already. We don't. Friends, as soon as we start to think that we are in deep weeds, <laughs> as soon as we start to say we're doing okay on our own, we are in big trouble. And that's what David experienced. That's what he had. In verse 7, he says, Lord, when you favored me, when, when you were lifting me up, you made my royal mountain stand firm. It was you who did that, even though I thought it was me and forgot that. You made your, my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. I was terrified. Or as Eugene P- Peterson puts it, I, my life started to fall apart. So I think what happened, and, and we've got to be careful with this, but I think this happens sometimes with God. David, you know, God... God builds David up, God protects David, God takes care of David, and David starts to say, look at what I did. I can handle anything. I've got enough stuff. And I think God sometimes is like a parent, and and he says, oh yeah? Let me just see how you do on your own. If you've got little kids, and they they don't want to wear their swimmies, right? They they keep saying, I don't need my swimmies. I can swim. I can swim. I can swim. Maybe we're evil parents, but what we would on occasion do, never let them drown, but, but occasionally we'd say, okay, go for it. And we might let them kind of go under once or twice. And then you pick them up and you say, now, do you think you can swim? No, I can't. Okay, get your swimmies on, right? right? And I think God sometimes does that. I think God sometimes says, when you start to think that you can handle life on your own, I'm just going to pull back for a second. He doesn't harm us or send something bad to us. He just says, let me see how you can stand on your own. And then we start to fall on our faces. Now, be really careful here. I'm not saying, David is not saying, that every time we fall on our faces, it's because of our pride. Sometimes bad things just happen, okay? But in David's case, and sometimes in our cases, what happens is we say, I don't need you, God. And God, in love, just kind of says, okay, let's see how you do on your own. And so his life was falling apart. David says this in verse 1. You heard it earlier. David was in the depths. I cry to you out of the depths. His enemies were gloating over him. Verse 2, he was physically sick. Verse 3, he was so sick he was in the realm of the dead. He, he, he didn't step into the light, but he saw the light, right? He, he was at that place where it was just around the corner. He was in the realm of the dead, and he was going down to the pit, okay? Notice, and, and this is such a good description of what it is. When our lives are falling apart, when we're sick, when things are broken, when it's not going right, it just feels like we are sinking down, right? David is in the depths, right? His enemies are gloating over him, all right? They're above him. Uh, he was physically sick. He's in the realm of the He's going down to the pit. Everything is going down, and he's feeling overwhelmed. When you're physically sick, when you're emotionally tired and worn out and sick, when you're when you're feeling guilty. We talked about it last week. It just feels like we can't get any air. It feels like we just can't get out of it. It just is pressing down on it. It's so heavy on us. David felt that way. David was deathly ill, and so he was going to tell us that he did what he should have done. He called out to God. He said, God, I'm sorry. I was proud. I did that. I need your help. I need your mercy. Verse 2, Lord, my God, I called to you for help. Then verses 8 to 10, to you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. He said, I'm telling you this, I, I, I lost it, I went down, but then I just called out to God, God, I need your mercy. It's fascinating, I don't know what to do with these next, this next verse, because it seems like David bargains, and I know we're not supposed to do that with God, but look at these next words. He's kind of like, uh, God, you're going to lose a choir member if you let me die. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hello, God. Come on, man, don't you want to hear me sing some more? Don't you want to hear me? I, I, God, which, again, it seems really odd, but, I, you know, David's just kind of saying, God, I want, to, I want to continue to serve you. 
God, I want to be here for you. Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. God, Lord, be my help. And God answers David's prayer, and he lifts him up. God heals him. Back up to verse 1. You lifted me. And again, just as all of the all of the sickness, all of the struggle was going down. All of the salvation is, God, you lifted me out of the depths. God, you picked me up. You, you, you did not let my enemies gloat over top of me. Lord God, verses 2 and 3, Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. God, you made me better. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. Again, you brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. And that's what it feels like, friends. That's a a great picture of salvation. And if you've experienced the forgiveness of your sins, that's what it's about. If you've experienced healing, if you've experienced restoration of a broken relationship, what we have, and this is so central to who God is, when we are going down, God lifts us up. When, When our lives are falling apart, God puts us back together. David said, I called out to the Lord, and he rescued me. He lifted me up. He reached down into that place where I was. And he pulled me up, and he gave me new life. You turned, verse 10, or 11, rather, you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. David has experienced healing. He's experienced grace. He's tasted of God's goodness. And he does what he's supposed to do. He says, now let's praise the Lord. Now let's sing a song. Let's be grateful to God. He says in verse 1, I will exalt you, Lord. I will lift you up, for you lifted me up out of the depths. In a sense, what we're doing when we praise God is we're lifting him up because he lifts us up. And so we're just doing back to him what he did to us. Say, God, you are so great. Verse 12, so now my heart will sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will always give thanks to you. So David comes and he says, I'm so thankful, God. I'm so grateful for all that you've done. I want to praise your name. And then he says, and I want everybody to join me. I want everybody to join me, verses 4 and 5. And here you notice that I haven't been pointing it out, but the arrow now goes, he talks to all of us. Sing praise, the praise of the Lord, you, the praises of the Lord, you as faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. So God lifts us up, and, and let's lift up God in praise. And, and, and that's just such an important thing for us to do, okay? Stick with me here, okay? I, I, I'm not going through this quickly. I want to because I want to get to what I want to get to in just a moment, all right? But we, 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 it, we need to do that. And I just think about this past week. On Monday, I had the opportunity. I went up to see Sally Meadema in the hospital. And, I mean, she was bad. She was sick and, and felt horrible and in great pain. And when I got up there, they had re- they'd removed the six and a half liters of fluid. He said, how are you doing? She said, I'm so thankful. I don't feel pain. And I don't feel like I'm, I'm going to throw up. And she said, I'm just so thankful. It is so good. I'm very, and then it was just like, oh God, that's so good. I'm so thankful. And again, she's still sick. But right now, she's, she's able to be home. And she's able to be with her kids. She's able to be with her grandkids. And so she is just so thankful for that. I think of Tyler Laninga. I mean, he should have died. He should have died. Bleeding, two arteries cut, his bicep ripped in half. He should at least have that arm amputated. I mean, you think about that. When he's 20 years old, Tyler's 20 years old, mom and dad are out there. The doctor said, we'll probably have to amputate. He's in surgery. That's being in the pit, right? And they come out and they say, it's amazing, no nerve damage. It's amazing. He should be able to come back and have full use of his arm. It's going to take a year, but he should. And it's like, oh, Lord, we just praise you for that. And, and, and Krista, Germany, twins, 
born real early, but they're four four each, and, and they're breathing. And, and, and so we should praise God for that. We have all these things that we say, God, we got to praise you, and we got to lift you up. And, and that's what David invites us to do. We celebrate good gifts. We celebrate God's faithfulness. But here's the deal. Here's what's been eating at me all week. Here's the question that, that I've been wondering about, okay? If you've been kind of checked out, come back right now, okay? Because one of the things, and it's been a lot in this last year, maybe that's why I'm so aware of it right now, but, but the question that, that kept at me all week I was thinking about this and saying, we've got to praise God, you know. I mean, Drew Vanderhill, right, he's up in Alaska right now. He, I mean, he, he could have died so easily. I mean, praise God. But here's my question. How do we praise God for lifting us out of the pit and so many, so many others are still in the pit? It's been a year of people being in the pit around here. There have been a lot of things. And, and, and it seems like every time we celebrate one thing, we do it in spite of something else. I mean, is it really, think about it, is it really okay? Is it okay for me to celebrate the goodness I have when somebody else didn't have that goodness? I mean, how do we give thanks to God for a healthy baby when our best friend just had a, best friend just had a miscarriage, right? <laughs> is that just appropriate or is that just a horrible thing to do? How do we say, oh God, you're so good that you, that you did that to us? How do, we, how do we thank God for healing uh, our cancer, when we're sitting next to somebody whose husband just died of cancer or whose wife just died of cancer? How do, we, how do we celebrate this when we're sitting near people who are going through that? How do we celebrate that God spared our child in the car accident when somebody else's child is in a coma because God didn't spare them? Uh, do you ever wonder, do you ever feel like, what, how do we do this? I, because of this, it, it's an experience I have in my life with some regularity that on the one hand, I'm going up to the hospital and seeing somebody who's had twins and we celebrate that, but I'm also going up to somebody who was just told they've got three weeks to live. How do we, <laughs> how do we do that? How do you read Psalm 30 when David is saying, let's just praise the Lord when, when we live in a world where these things happen? When not everybody got the blessing we've got. When people we love have died. How do we celebrate with somebody else? That's a tough one. How do I celebrate with that family? What if I'm the person whose family had the miscarriage? And you just had healthy twins. Shocking, a miracle that they were alive. How do I... Am I supposed to just say, Oh God, that's great. You're so good. One of the things we've got to recognize, and I think the Psalms are in some ways random, but I think the reason that they're mixed up between the needs and the praises is because we have to recognize that for now, every time we celebrate God's goodness, we do so in the midst of a broken world, okay? Whenever we celebrate a miracle, we do so in the midst of a broken world. Whenever we give thanks to God for one thing, we do so in spite of something else, and, and I want to mention that because I think sometimes, at least for me, it feels like it's not appropriate to praise God. It's not appropriate for me to celebrate what God has done in this person's life or in my life. And I'm so thankful that my kids are turning out well or whatever it is when that person is struggling. And, and I think it can feel like it's not time to sing Psalm 30. Not in a world where so many people are hurting. Not in a world where there's so much brokenness. Not in a world where all that's going on. So what do we do? I want to suggest that... That we still can, and in fact, we still should 
celebrate God's goodness in a broken world. That we ought to just be able to say, God, thank you. You are good. You are faithful. And we lift your name up because you have lifted us up. Because God, we know we can still celebrate, but I think there are two key things that we need to remember as we do this. Two things that need to be a part of an awareness of as we're celebrating God's goodness. And, and, and these come, I think, somewhat from Scripture, but also from my experience. But, but part of what we have to remember is that when we thank God for a good gift, we thank God for good gifts, but we remember we all still wait for God's ultimate good gifts, okay? What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, in a sense, every gift we get in this life is temporary. Every gift we give in this life is good, but it's only temporary. You know, David was healed. David came back, and David was feeling so great, and he was so thankful. But you know what? David died. He ain't walking around today. And when David came back, he came back to a family that was still messed up. And, and so on the one hand, you know, we're thankful for that. But isn't there any of us who, who have, have received gifts that other than the gift of eternity, I guess we, we do so and we, we thank God for this. And that's why oftentimes uh, the Bible or, or Christians will talk about this and will say, what, what this gift is, is it's a foretaste. It's a foretaste of what God's going to give to us one day in the new heaven and the new earth. And so we celebrate it, but we don't celebrate it like, like everything is now perfect. There's a sense in which there's always a little bit of a minor key present. There's always, and that's okay, because we're all still waiting. But I can say, thank you for this. But I'm really waiting for that, God. Thanks for this gift today. Thanks for these twins. Thanks for this healing. Thanks that Drew's in Alaska. God, I am so thankful for that. But you know what? I'm glad Sally was able to come. Well, but Sally's going to die. Sally's going to die unless Jesus comes back. I'm so glad Drew, and I hope Drew has a long life. Drew Vanderhill, again, he's about 16 now, I think. But Drew's going to die. Guess you're going to die, okay? So be thankful when you have that gift, but just recognize, okay, this, the gifts of this life are foretastes. They're appetizers. They're, they're just those things. And so we celebrate them, but we, we celebrate them knowing that we're still waiting we're still anticipating. We're still looking forward to that time when all things are made new. So God, thanks. Thanks for this goodness. And let it make me more hungry for the day when all things are made new. And so we celebrate that with awareness that we all still wait, okay? And, and the other thing, and, and this one I think is, is really, really important, and, and that is when we celebrate God's good gifts, we remember that these gifts are gifts. We did not earn them. And, and I, I, I want to make sure, and I think many, you do this well, okay? I'm not picking on anybody. I don't think you've, but we have to be really aware of this. We don't really know why we received this good gift. As I've talked with people who have been struggling and then have watched somebody else celebrate, and, and, and they've genuinely said, I'm thankful for that. The the part that I think is most painful for somebody who's struggling when I'm celebrating is if I start to say, well, and this happened because we had 800 people praying. 
we had the right number of people praying. Or, and again, I'm for prayer. Please hear me. It's great to pray, and God responds to prayers. But I cannot say, well, because we had 800 people praying, or because we had this person praying, or because I prayed for safety for my child every day, that's my, why, child, my, why my child's life was spared in that accident. Guess what? You want me to introduce you to people whose child wasn't spared in that accident, who prayed just as much as you did, who loved Jesus just as much as you did. We've got to be so careful on those things. Because it's so easy for us to say, well, God did this for me because of what I did for him. God did this for me because I had done this. Friends, what we have to say is, I don't understand. I don't understand why God did this for me, but it's a gift. And I just want to say thank you, and I'm sorry, and I'm looking forward to the day when God gives you that fullness, and he restores you, and he turns your wailing into dancing. And I'm going to wail a little bit with you even while I'm dancing. Because I can't be fully happy until you're fully happy. But I'll tell you this, I have no reason why. Some of my brothers uh, have done well financially. Um, and, and I have two, okay? Don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining at all. They've done a little better financially. You know what makes it okay for me? Is each one of them has said, I don't know why. I, I, I'm not, I don't know why. I, I, I just feel responsible to try to, I'm thankful for what God has given me. I try to use it for him, but I don't know why. And, and, and that is so important. That allows me to, you know, it'd be a lot tougher if they were like, well, because I'm so smart, because I do the right thing all the time, because I, no, friends, when we get a good gift from God, the fact is, I don't know if we'll ever understand why God chose to drop this one on us at this moment. But we just say, God, thanks. So things are not yet the way they're supposed to be. Things are not yet the way they're supposed to be. We live in a broken world. And, and any praise that cannot be present with somebody who is also wailing is not, in my view, legitimate praise. It has to be able to be, you know, if I'm thanking God... You have to say, God, I, and, and that's why in some ways, again, I could have made this a third thing, and maybe I am right now. But, you know, recognizing the greatest gift of God is, is eternal life. The greatest gift of God is his faithfulness. The greatest gift of God is his presence. I mean, healing is nice. Healing is nice, but it's nothing like God holding on to us for all of eternity. It's nothing like God forgiving our sins, okay? And, and, and so, yeah, we live in a broken world. But God still gives us good gifts, and we can and we should still join David in praising God. And so let's do that together. Maybe you can reflect on something. Let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to bring our offerings and give thanks to God. So let's, let's pray together. Father, you really do give us some good gifts. It's a broken world, and we all know people who are really struggling right now. And we all know people who are really going through some difficult, painful times. But God, in the midst of it, you still are with us. More than anything else, we just thank you for your faithfulness, for your being with us even in the most difficult times. But God, you give us just some good gifts, some joys. We thank you for the babies. We thank you for healings. We thank you for for restorations of relationships. God, there are good gifts. Help us to see them. Help us to taste them. And help us just to say, God, thank you for them. And, And to lift you up the way that you have lifted us up. And we look forward to the time, Lord, when when we're not going to go down again, when we're not going to get sick, when we're not going to sin, when we're not going to hurt each other. And so we praise you, Lord, for what you have done. And we thank you in advance for what you are going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.